listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. saw her the next morning basically she slept out on the couch she's like i watched eight episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the girls love it it's, it's amazing it's, it's, it's so in the same vein as love is blind y'all say this yeah. about every dating show it's amazing it's the best it's crazy it's, it's messy awesome. it's that they're literally on dates with their new booze while their old booze are like in the room looking at how they're laughing and joking with the other person it's phenomenal television. They're That's actively cool. trying to like That's get engaged. Show. No, well, they're well, actively yeah. trying to. One of them's actively trying to marry the other one, and one of them's like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> so this is just like a cut TV show. Exact? Like, what's happening? Well, more or less. <laughs> some of the some of the times, the people who they brought the ultimatum, like, marry me right now, or I'm not gonna be with you, come onto the show, and then their man or woman is now cozy enough to the other person, and they see they're like, oh shit. I might lose my man. Like I, I, I did a bad. I, I made a bad gamble because now, not only will he not marry me, he doesn't want to be with me. He wants to go be with this other person. And that you can imagine the kind of feelings that that elicits from everybody else. It's elite television. It's so messy. It's so good. Okay, I have to pee. I'm behind on all my Netflix shit. I haven't watched Love Is Blind season two. I haven't watched Bridgerton season two. I haven't watched The Ultimatum. Like you, I just got to get two. back with it. You've been paying Netflix all this time. You might as well be using it or cancel them because they're not giving you what you need. Fortunately, you I still use my parents' dogs. Netflix, allegedly. Yeah. In case Netflix is listening to this. No, I don't. But um, you <laughs> I know. can't prove it. <laughs> you miss all the all right. scammer docs they have over there. That's the best thing they got over there. Let's uh let's let's talk about actually good uh Oh hi Ma, I see you now. Yeah. There she is. Let's talk about hey. actual good cinema and uh, entertainment. Everything, everywhere, all at once. An incredible title that is way easy to mispronounce and get wrong. Everything, all the time, every time. <laughs> Too many Stuff words. be happening. Just... Stuff be happening. The movie. And uh, so, yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. We're joined by Mo from what we watch. Her, like, eighth appearance on this show. So you know it's going to do numbers. <laughs> Legendary every time. Yeah. Um, so let's just get right into the synopsis, everything, because I think we're going to have a lot to say about this film. Uh, everything, Everywhere, All at Once came out just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it didn't get a wide release until, what, two weeks ago? Something like that, yeah. I think yeah, it's still releasing it, wider and wider like by the week. Yeah. I'm surprised I got it in Waco. That's how like limited the early release was. It was like in two theaters in like Venice and yeah. And so now it's, it's starting to get every, uh, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once has an 8.9 on IMDb, uh, seventh ranked popularity on that website. It's rated R two hours and 19 minutes long. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. 
has 82 meta score. It's written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, uh, also known affectionately as the Daniels. It stars the immaculate, amazing, <laughs> fantastic, love of never my aging. Yeah, love of our lives. Michelle Yeoh, uh, just, just, oh, chef's kiss. Um, stars also uh, Stephanie Sue and uh, Kiwi Kwan, who, by the way, and and this isn't this isn't new information, but this is kind of the big thing about this movie. His like first mainstream movie since Goonies and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Two yeah. two very racist portrayals of, of yeah. Asians is yeah. where he comes from. All of a sudden, he gets to go do something like this. That's so cool. His also, first movie at all in twenty years. In twenty years. In twenty, in 20 years. years. Um, James Hong um, and Jamie Lee Curtis also make an appearance. So does Jenny Slate. Host of other character actors as well. Um, and then, yeah. So written and directed by the Daniels. They did something that you may know called Swiss Army Man. The rest of their work is music videos and uh, Adult Swim, which if you watch this movie, you get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's very easy to see. Right now, this is on a $20 million budget, I believe. Let me see. A, I think 25 I, was the number I saw. 25, okay, yeah. So I had the person that interviewed the DPs of the movie on my show and that number is false. I get to tell you this, inside scoop, it's actually only 15 million dollar budget. Look at that. That's insane. That's insane. So they have technically already made that back because this has started to gain steam. In its first weekend in full release, it uh, gained about 5, actually about 7 million dollars or yeah, 7 million dollars in its first weekend in full release. Um this second weekend, it did a million on Friday, uh, two million on Saturday, and another nearly two million on Sunday. So it is sitting at a cool almost eighteen million at the box office right now. Which we had this discussion about how you release movies and stuff in our group text. So it's been really interesting how awesome this movie has been received and how they've chosen to roll it out. It's a really interesting conversation that maybe we can have, but. Um, Speaking of the of how well it's been received, just really quickly, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 93% audience score, led by an outstanding Michelle Yeoh. Everything, everywhere, all at once lives up to its title and expertly calibrated assault on the senses. Um, best reviewed movie so far, I believe, of the year. Uh, so far. Uh, before, I think, the next Nicolas Cage movie comes out, which Woo! we just we just learned has like a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever that means to you. Yeah. Right now it's got one guy who hating just one guy. We're going to move around him. We're going to, we're going to keep it at 99. I can't wait. Are you okay? What happened to your voice? I'm dying over here. (laughs) He doesn't have AC. I have no AC. I live in Houston, Texas. It's time to die. So, Um, so real quick, can we talk about how we, how they release these sort of movies now before we get into the review? And I know our listeners maybe don't care about that, but it is interesting conversation to have because, because this movie is so well reviewed and so well revered by critics and audiences that there is like an early push for like this movie to just get all the Oscar nominations in April. Oscars don't happen until next April. Yeah. 
So it, it's in, it's interesting because this has a chance to be one of those independent films, like truly independent movies. I mean, A24 is maybe kind of a big studio now, not as big as the other ones, but it's big on being independent film. It, regardless, yeah, it is has a chance to make buku amounts of dollars, but they are really restricting who is kind of who is seeing this movie and how many people are seeing this movie right now. What do y'all think about that? Dex, you had, you had something to say and, and uh, Mo, I'd like to hear what you think about that. Yeah. So to me, I feel like they, they played it perfectly, honestly, because it came out in like, I don't know, like eight theaters or something, something stupid like that uh, at the beginning of the month. And there were just a handful of people who went and saw it, just some film nerds kind of like us. And they were all like, this movie is fucking amazing. It's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. You have to go see it, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, people like us are sitting on the internet on Twitter and we're like, hey, there's this cool movie that came out and only like eight people got to see it. I want to see that shit. It's amazing. Like, I can't wait to go see this shit. Slowly but surely, just they kept adding more and more people to be like, hey, the shit is amazing. You have to go see it. The shit is amazing. You have to go see it. And all this momentum just kept building over and over, like across like multiple weeks of this movie coming out slowly but surely. And now, like, I I was sitting on the AMC app on my phone every single day. Like, is it coming to coming to my city now? Is it coming to my city now? Is it coming to my city now? I gotta go see this shit. And now I'm gonna go tell everybody that I know to go see this shit. Now that I've seen it. So I think they played it perfectly in my mouth. There's no reason for them to like throw millions of dollars on like a NBA playoff ad or something like you're not going to get a bunch of people watching the NBA playoffs to be like, Oh, let me go check out the butt plug movie. Like that'll like, you've got to like build it up with word of mouth. The butt plug, the dildo, the dildo pipe movie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so just like build word of mouth and like, that'll. I think eventually that momentum will carry it through, especially like if they, eventually pivoted to a streaming service or whatever so i think they played it perfectly honestly it'll probably end up on it'll actually probably end up on apple tv because that's who i think a24 is sort of partnered partnered with uh over the past few years um mo best you picture winner apple in, tv plus you elite <laughs> uh in in los angeles you and Tej, y'all got this before everybody else i was like i was sitting on my cinema like i was crying in the group message saying like i don't think we're gonna be able to review this movie and then all of a sudden you know they're uh, yeah we're gonna release it but um what do you think about how they rolled this out so in retrospect i agree with dex like they did a great job because when you have such a great piece of art a great piece of film like we're gonna talk about it and people are gonna watch it but this movie was apparently like rolled out in like like four years ago, like 2018, it was announced, I should say. And then I don't know if y'all know, but they opened it. It was the feature opener at the South by Southwest Film Festival. So that was like the first time people had like seen it. And then a YouTube video went viral about this movie. So this is the marketing like rollout that A24 decided was film festival. People tweet about it. YouTube video gets enough views. And then you have your like Curtis, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh and everybody doing these interviews and talking about it. Hey, go see it and stuff like that. Cause the Daniels, um, like you said, are like mostly music videos and they have like a short film on YouTube. And a lot of people haven't seen Swiss Army Man. Like it just is what it is. I think all of us have on the show. And so I thought- Not all of us. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Now you'll go watch it. 
you know, one of my things is always when you like a director's or, or two directors, the dynamic duo Daniels is what I call them. Um, when you like one of their films, you go watch the rest of them. So I need everyone to watch Swiss Army Man and Interesting Ball. But um, yeah, I think Dex, like I said, in retrospect, I think you're right. They did a good job because we started talking about the film. That's why we do podcasts like this, right? Like we started talking about the film and we were just telling everybody to go watch it. So I think the marketing was a very unique one. I think some people in the Asian immigrant uh, community or the Asian community, Asian American community, wish there was more marketing. So I think it's important for them to hear their voices on that. But in retrospect, you know, A24 did the motherfucking thing. I have been to the theater twice. It was packed both times. And yeah. at crazy days, matinee, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Saturdays, I see tweets all the time. The theaters are packed. So us talking about the movie is working because yeah. everybody's wanting to see it. Yeah, they, it was it, like they they moved it from the X. It was only in like the 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 widescreen in my in in Waco because they had to play Dumbledore uh, hides the secret <laughs> show. They had to play that. <laughs> <laughs> they had to play Dumbledore hides a secret in 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 <laughs> XD. So they moved this down to the smaller smaller screen, and it was still yeah, it was it was packed then, and they moved it down, and yeah, they I think making it something that is has limited access to is sort of like like anything no oh, now i gotta go see you know now i have to go have whatever i have to see what the hype is about you know i have to have whatever mm -hmm. shoes or whatever yeah, so i have to go see what the hype is about but i i personally am like ooh, they could roll this out and a24 could put a little bit more money into it exactly. and they maybe would make like unheard at like a hundred million dollars or something like this exactly. and that's really good for movies they don't have to do that it's still really good for movies that this is going to make its budget back plus some and probably going to be nominated for oscars when this is essentially a summer movie but like yeah i just i kind of had the whole thing t do you have anything before we get into the reviews i think obviously the, the 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 people at the movie studios wanted to do big movie numbers but it's also going to do gangbusters on streaming once people can actually watch this in their homes a lot of people are going to watch this movie mm -hmm. and i'm thinking that that might be when you get some more targeted marketing because there'll be less word of mouth at the time where they're ready to put this in your house but that's i think that's when you drop a couple commercials maybe not nba playoff level commercials but drop a couple commercials it's hard though because it's like a it's like a family movie at the heart of it but it's also rated r so like yeah. Where you market it is it is an interesting question, but I think around the time this hits streaming, there'll be some targeted ads. Maybe if it's going to be on Apple, Apple put out an ad or two, and I think they'll do big business on that side as well. So that's a big part of it as well. Watch this in theaters, though, for sure. Yes, do go it. see this in theaters. It, the yeah. what they're doing with the aspect ratio through the whole movie is just the coolest. Oh thing my ever. gosh! And I didn't realize how cool that was until the second time I saw it in theaters. Like it's just the coolest thing ever. Well, let's we'll finally, finally, finally get to our reviews now. Whatever, what everybody listens to this podcast for, anyway. Um, Mo, give your review. Give it a letter grade. You've been here before. You're starting with me this time. I haven't been here Not before. There. I usually don't go first. I like um, to start with you. <laughs> a plus. That's. I don't know if it's biased or what, but this movie was so special. It was written. Again, on a second viewing, I was able to watch it in a different way, in a way and pay attention to more other things, right? Because when you first watch a movie, you don't know what's going on. So you're like, okay, I need to just make sure I understand everything that's going on, which kind of wasn't the point. But um, I think that celebrating 
like a Chinese immigrant family and celebrating chaos, which I am chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was just like, I am seen. And there's something so beautiful about a script like this that every single line mattered. Have you ever gone to a movie and you're like, well, why did they have that scene? Or why did they have this conversation? Mm -hmm. Like it meant nothing. We sat with it for like three to five minutes. And then like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could name like 15 Ah! movies right now where I'm like, so that scene in the first act, like why? And this was everything. All of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Deck. (laughs) Please. But so everything mattered, and I'll keep it short because we'll keep talking. I, and I, I told Tej before, I was like, I can't be on to lo- that long tonight, and I could talk about this movie for like five hours straight. So I'm like, let me just... But anyways, A+, plus because we have not seen a movie like this, and we may not see another movie like this for a very, very long time. And it sucks that it's not a... It's rated R, because I think, you know, some teens are ready to see a movie like this. So... Yeah, that's my review. Go watch. It's not the hardest. It's like it's very, it's very childish. This is a PG thirteen movie. Is it time for in the mid in the Midwest? This could be rated R, but in the cities, this should be a PG (laughs) thirteen. Under the Bible Belt, it's rated R. Yeah, Yeah, like. Come in on, Waco, bro. Texas, this is a hard R. People in, are in Waco, Texas, this is NC-17. Give, I understand. Dildos. Unplugged. <laughs> Why I never. Why I, just, I never. I just feel like this this movie had so much love and heart. And like it made every like life message that you try to learn as you get older so gentle and so easy to digest. And it was just, it was fucking fun. It was fun as hell. So, yeah. I told everybody before we got on, this is probably like, I said I had a bunch of fun watching Ambulance because it was dumb fun. This is a different kind of thing. It was like, yeah, it was like, this different. was definitely the most fun that I've had probably watching. I laughed. I nearly cried. It was, it was genuinely one of those movies where it was akin to, for us on this podcast and people at Film Nerds are going to roll their eyes. It was like akin to like a Marvel like experience that really hits almost where it has all of that built-in buildup and catharsis and it just is a single serving viewing like they're not going to make a sequel to this movie like it it just is this one thing uh dex you wrote a review on this go ahead give it your letter grade review plug plug the blog i guess yeah so you can read my review i just published today on uh apollohu.com check it out but yeah i'll say what i said in that review this is a perfect movie to me. This is an A plus, 100 out of 100. Like, you have to see this shit. I don't care. Like, if you don't like it, you're wrong to me. Like, get out of my face. This shit bangs, all right? Um, yeah, like, we're not giving, like, too much away, like, in our reviews or whatever, because you really just got to go, like, see it and experience it. But this shit, it felt like if you ever watched, like, a, a huge NBA performance live, if you watch like Kobe Bryant's 60 point game or whatever, like his final game, and you like could just feel like the energy kind of building as he got closer to 60, and you were just like sitting back, like, oh damn, this is dope. Like, how good is this gonna get? Is he gonna get to 60? Like, this is incredible. I'm having so much fun. This is why I watch basketball. Like, it felt like that. I was like, the movie was unfolding, and I was like, this is why I watch movies. Like, how good is this shit going to get? Like, how high are they gonna run up the fucking score right now? Like, this shit is incredible. 
It, Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Sue were racing each other to 75 home runs in this. This was, they were like, insane. The so they were going just off. Just the, the acting is all incredible. Like the, the editing they do with like all the costume changes and like making, you know, uh, like closing doors in one universe and then like opening a door in another universe and like mashing it up perfectly and all that other shit. It's all like technically incredible, but even if you're not into like all the technical details and shit like we are, it's still just like a, it's a movie, like Teach said, and it has a great message about like life and kindness and you know the will to live and all this other shit in it. It just makes it so fucking good. It's a perfect movie to me. It like instantly on that one viewing, it became one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I love this fucking movie. A plus ten of ten, hundred of hundred. Like. No notes. No notes. No notes. Uh, <laughs> Literally no notes. Zero at, notes. At Les Humbleteed, you've seen it twice as well as Mo. Uh, I think I, I'm definitely going to have to see it again. I know Dex will as well. Oh, like, you, have to, yep. you have to go you see have it again. To. One of the few movies that I'm going to, that I actually have to repay to go see again. But uh, Teej, what do you think of it? So this movie is like a combination of a lot of types of movies that I like. Uh, and, and it makes sense that these guys come from like anime, YouTube, video games. It makes perfect sense because this movie is just an amalgamation of a whole bunch of amazing things about other movies and you put them in. So you got like I've been comparing it to The Farewell in terms of the, you got this Asian family drama at the center of it that's extremely emotional and very wrought with conflict from the beginning of it. Uh, it's kind of got your back to the future vibes for obvious reasons. It's got a lot of heart. It's got like a, it, it's very aware of itself. It's very campy, but also like a like a very emotional story. Obviously, you got a lot of nods to the Matrix. They're using parts of the score from the Matrix in the when when they're having certain action scenes. You got a kung fu movie in here, and I also love like you remember the first time you watched Knives Out and you realized when you finished the movie, like Mo just said, like every little th part of the journey in Knives Out, including the stuff that your brain just tossed out mattered to the outcome of the movie that's what mm -hmm. this is like you watch it the second time and you realize all of her jobs that she lists with the irs they are all realities that we see on the screen she's a singer she's an actress she uh is a cook she's a chef right all this stuff comes right back and it's like every little piece of the script is perfect it's like a perfect little uh gift basket so we unwrap it and it's like oh shit everything in this gift basket mattered to the end of the movie the, the daughter's name is Joy. And then they start using her name and puns later. They say, I would take the joy and the pain of being with you over anything else. Like her name is Joy. Like they're very intentional with the way they wrote this script. And that's before you even get to the fact that this movie on a small budget just looks phenomenal. The way mm -hmm. that it is edited, the way that the sound works is just masterclass. You can tell these people come from music videos because you can see it in the way that we are doing these quick cuts between realities where it's like you have to be able to go on this journey with her to understand now she's in this reality, which is our reality, which is the orienting reality where she just has a laundromat and she does taxes. That is her worst reality, but it's the one that we introduced, got introduced to, so it's the one that orients us. But the way in which it's edited so that the scene where the where the uh, daughter is sitting on the uh, at the diner counter and they do the little clicks where she clicks one, two this way, then one, two back that way, and she's in a different reality, like the way that that stuff is edited lets, it's telling you so much about the movie. It's saying, 
hey, this is how these this works. When you're going to different realities, she's just getting bits and pieces of these realities. But, you know, once you get to the second half of the movie, she's experiencing all these things kind of at the same time. So you're getting kind of like a montage of different parts of her realities where she's learning different parts of the lesson. It's just a really creative way to make a movie. The movie is hilarious throughout the, the both times I've seen it. It's been in a packed house and the crowd has been hanging on there every word. Every time the movie some I heard a critic say this, so don't give me credit for this. A critic said the movie is often leaning in for a hug from the viewer and the viewers <laughs> like embrace this hug. Like it feels like having puppies around me, but it was, it's like that, but it's like, you could see the seams of it, but it still works. Every time I want to lean in for the hug too. I want those emotional moments. Yeah. I love these jokes. I love that. We're making family friendly jokes, but also like people are putting stuff in their butt. Like that, that's funny as well. <laughs> like people getting slapped with dildos. That's also funny. Like, let me interject on credit because I'm the one that noticed the tax thing was all the reality. So that's what she did. She did. That is her that noticed that. That's but and you also noticed my favorite thing. But I only realized that on the second viewing. So I'm glad that you're talking about like yeah. what it means to watch it in theaters because I was like, oh shit, like literally every part of this script matters. And y'all talk a lot about editing, writing and <clears throat> writing. I know it's your turn, but we cannot talk about this movie without talking about sound. Okay, the way that they manipulated sound and used sound in this movie was so jarring, startling, and also just made it so perfect. I'm obsessed with sound. Y'all know how I am about horror. And I was just, I was amazed. Like in the very beginning when they have like that really loud kind of introduction, like this is the movie that you're about to see. And those like high pitched noises. I was like, this is amazing. This is, you can't fall asleep in this movie. You know how people fall asleep in theaters. You can't even fall asleep in this movie if you wanted to. Like, can't, you can't do it. Imposters from the first second of the movie. It's like, oh shit, it's tense as hell right now. Like, I can't fall asleep at all. It's very tense. Exactly. And it's just the sound is, oh my gosh. On the second viewing, Royden, you're going to notice like all this stuff that we're talking about. Yes, that was something that I was so shocked about was that the tax thing, and we're not supposed to be saying sports, but the little tax scene, the lives that Michelle lived was the ones that she was doing with the hobbies of her. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. (laughs) I I, I don't think I'd say my grade. But I also give it an A plus. And the coolest thing about this movie is they're, they're, when they're switching between realities, sometimes they change the focus and aspect ratio. And that is a really cheap thing to do. It is not an expensive thing to do, but it is an extremely, extremely effective way to, to kind of reorient you uh, reality-wise. And I found myself – I loved it the first time. The second time I was like, this is probably my favorite part of this movie. The way that the aspect ratio is playing out, that's why you have to see it in theaters because it's not going to have that same effect when you watch it at home. And seeing that on a big screen and going from the full screen to the 60 by, it's just so it's so poignant the way that they use it. This is a perfect film. And all the haters that don't like this movie just don't like fun because it's the most fun you're going to have the movies all year, I promise you. What is there like one person on earth that doesn't like it? Yeah. Where's that one nerd that you, like that you dunked on nerd. on Twitter? Yeah, one fucking nerd. Oh, well. Like, what did that guy like, say? That guy said he's like, I, I saw the plot throughout it or whatever. And we're like, Duh. oh, yeah. He was there like, I could see the, the, theme. like, the, the themes theme. way too yeah. early. In oh, the yeah. Movie. Like, I could see the theme. It's like, I'm sorry. You're supposed to be able to see themes of a movie. Have you ever what seen did, Star Wars? You don't know the themes of Star Wars as you're watching it? It's easy to tell. Send me, send me their at so I can block them. And also, yeah, don't watch this movie on your little 32-inch screens at home, okay? Go to the yeah, movie. do not watch this on your 2015 MacBook Air, all right? Like, go to the movie theaters, please. please. Don't watch this on your phone while you're riding on the train. Like, I'm you're so over shit. it. I'm over it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I want to I talk critically about it, but I also just want to talk about, like, just how, like we've said, it is, it is fun. 
um, it, the, the array of people, the different types of people that were in my theater, you had, you had older people, you had a lot of teenagers too, because obviously this is going to be baby's first cinema for a lot of people. Like oh, it yeah. really, sure it just will be. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you had a lot of teenagers in there with their dates and their girlfriends and stuff. But I also had a dad uh, take his kids <laughs> which was like okay and then I, there was older couples and there was me and my wife who were nearly it was just a array of people and everyone laughed and had a good time it was stunning it was like we were watching a studio comedy it's like we were watching dumb and dumber or something but it like like <laughs> it had that sort of like all-encompassing uh hold on the audience that you hadn't seen in a long time that because we just don't have studio comedies, but this isn't necessarily a com- It is a comedy, but it's not. It's it's a lot of things, and like T said, it's it's a it's a uh, amalgamation, or it's 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 a com- combination of a lot of films, a lot of pop culture. Because like they said, mm-hmm. I think it was on the big picture teach that that Dan Kwan says he doesn't even really like watch movies. He watches like anime and YouTube and listens to music. He's just kind of like he doesn't pay attention. But Shinerd is the one that like they have a, a blatant 2001 space odyssey reference in this movie. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a combination of a lot of things. There's she stopped spoiler alert. She stops bullets like in bullet time in the matrix. Like, yeah. yeah, there's just a bunch of stuff, but then there's also this indie film sensibility to it where you could tell that they yep. were like making shit in their garage or like they were like building costumes in their living room. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, yeah. shout out, uh, also to the set designers and the costume artists uh costume designers on this set design was incredible and they were really only in like three places to be completely yep. honest um yep. so it was it was you could tell they made it for for cheap but not like bad i don't know how to describe that yeah. it wasn't you could tell it has that movie in indie movie sensibility where you could tell that like all this stuff kind of came together on a whim or just by the willpower of those who making it, they didn't have a bunch of time or a bunch of money back from Disney or whoever. And yeah, there's a YouTube video with uh, the director, Shell Yo. Uh, it's in the notes on the scene series, but they're literally just watching a scene from the movie, just like writing notes and like telling you about how they saw it and shit. And like, there's so much shit that they just did like cheaply and like, they, this is what we can do also apparently they like the pandemic started like as they were shoot, wrapping up shooting for this movie so there's some scenes in there that are like like green screen they can't be all be together like they're at each other to like give director notes on like the mm-hmm. scene that they're shooting and shit like that because the pandemic had started and wow. you like can't tell at all watching I the movie it. <laughs> and when you can't tell at all movie, when you're watching the movie you can't tell you also like for me, part of it felt like they knew the pandemic was happening. Because I'm like, yeah. damn, these are bars that, like everyone's feeling right now. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they made it during y'all the pandemic, the pandemic because there is... Y'all remember that pandemic thing? Um, <laughs> no, I think... I, it, I feel like they made it during the... Because I was kind of like, like... I kind of see that with more and more films where they're like, oh, they're just in an ambulance. You know what I mean? Or they're yeah. just... They're just in an ambulance. It's four people in an ambulance, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop talking about it. Hey, we just did that movie. It's, it's, it's easy. To both these fun. movies made me cry, so I, I put them on the same level. They both made me cry. Right. There's A plus. four people. 
movie's I gave them both an A plus because they both made me cry. That's an A. Uh, I definitely uh, cried in everything, everywhere, all at once. Not ambulance, but not ambulance, please. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. definitely made me cry. The beauty of Michael Bay and his creation. Just I could not, oh I couldn't God. handle it. Those drone shots, man. Oh. Um, no, I, I really, really quickly, I'd be remiss without in my review talking about like the we talked about a little bit, but Michelle Yeoh uh, deserves all of her flowers, every single one. Uh, it, she probably only got she she is the star of like this movie and how this movie gets made. If you listen to the directors talk about they wrote this for her, so if she didn't do it, they were fucked because like they needed they needed a woman that could do martial arts, a woman that could do comedy, a woman that could act dramatically, a, a, a literal star, because in one point, spoiler alert, in this movie, she is basically herself in yeah. looking just immaculate. Just, oh, Dude, I love no that part. Uh, and, and she was fantastic. But on top of that, Stephanie Sue, who has been in a bunch of TV and stuff, she was fantastic. She played like 18 Is that the daughter? Characters. Yeah. Yes. She That's is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. She uh and and also the the third lead Kiwi Kwan was great. Uh James Hong and uh uh oh help me out here. Why am I forgetting? Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um could have definitely like mailed in their roles but they didn't and it was just incredible that they went along with this silly silly script. And um, Amy Lee Curtis it, was all in into yeah, all the all, all the campiness she had to give. She gave all of it. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is Freaky Friday, right? Yes. Yes. Halloween, Freaky Friday. I, I love me a Jamie Lee Curtis. So I was like so excited to see her. Activia commercials. Um, <laughs> yes, you're right. But no, Stephanie Sue has been uh, both Stephanie was Michelle and both Stephanie and Michelle were in Shang Chi, which we all yes, right. Wait. So, yeah. The, who is she in Shang-Chi? I don't remember who she is in Shang-Chi, but I know that she's, I know she was in that movie. There. Yeah, both of them are in that movie. Um, so it it really was just a master class of like just committing and trusting the trusting the filmmakers, which it's it's kind of hard to like to be honest, it's kind of hard to do because they made like people love go back and they love Swiss Army Man. It's a wild movie. It's a weird, it's wild weird. movie. And, <laughs> it's weird. and these guys have done a bunch of uh done a bunch of like i said adult swim sketches which if you watch this this is like a ton of adult swim sketches put together <laughs> and I, I said it's like you ever i said on twitter it's like you ever woken up in the middle of the night and like seen adult swim playing or something like that and it's just like <laughs> it's just like technicolor coming at you at the screen that's what this is it's just like nightmares coming at you at the screen but like really that's well what, done yeah yeah that's what this is but but to the hundredth degree and um so i could i'll say this don't people don't get mad at me because i know y'all get this if you don't like that humor that absurdist like we're fighting with dildos now i keep saying that or spoiler people have hot dog fingers or like stuff like that if you don't like that humor one we probably wouldn't be friends but like i would understand if you don't if you don't if you just think oh this is silly like you don't like it you're taking yourselves too seriously but i would i get why you would not you maybe be turned off by this movie the 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 heart of it is a at the heart of it it is a family drama that explores the meaning one between asian immigrant boomer parents and their now 
uh, second or third generation. First generation. Our first generation, mm-hmm. yeah. First generation American children. And then it also explores the 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 thing that we also saw in Turning Red a little bit, surprisingly, uh, the relationship between a mother and their daughter, an Asian mother mm-hmm. and her daughter at that as well, too. And, and I called this movie nihilistic and hopeful, and that's not a new thought, but it is one of the most nihilistic movies where they literally said, like, nothing matters in this movie. And it almost embraces the the chaos of okay so it's okay if nothing matters because then we can decide what matters and i listened to an interview and i don't want to take credit for this i think it was on the big picture they they talked about they talked about in an in a um the filmmakers in a era of everything needs to have meaning a lot of the generation below us gen z and even to you know a little bit older than that, maybe even us to some extent have started to say, okay, well, why does any of this matter? You know, if, if everything is assigned meaning, so why does any of it have meaning? And you can see that from Stephanie Sue's character in this name, joy or Jobu to, to, uh, Jobu Tabaki. Tabaki. Jobu Tabaki. Yes. Aki. Okay. Sorry. Jobu Tabaki. And she basically, uh, comes in with, okay, well, why does any of this matter? And that's a really interesting thing to look at. And I feel like I'm just kind of going on and on, but it, for me as a, as a registered card carrying cynic, um, that this, that hit, that struck a nerve for me because it, it really is one of the, one of the most recent movies to say like, Hey man, sometimes some of this shit doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it's not as serious as you think it is. You know what it's, I mean? Right. It's so refreshing to finally have a movie that has like this, message of nothing matters because that's not new we've heard that a lot of times in a lot of movies it's like does anything matter what does it matter does it matter what i do but this one delivers the message in a way that's not like banal to me that's like no this is profound and it sometimes like movies also try to end where like it's this grandiose like false sense of hope kind of everything's gonna be great your life is good it's like actually like no life is pretty shitty sometimes and this movie like embodies that and makes you feel comfortable in that and I almost think it it, like you were saying earlier Royden about people if that's too silly for you I think people again for an entire theater to roar laughing at the uh you know, the dildo scenes and all of that other stuff. I think it'll force you to laugh. If you think you're not, if you think you don't find silliness funny, you're going to find yourself laughing at these scenes. You're going to laugh reluctantly. Like it's just Yeah, Because it is almost a catharsis because there is a lot of the like hopelessness and stuff. Like if you didn't have the jokes per minute that this, that these filmmakers put in here, it would kind of be bleak. And like, (laughs) because it's it's like part of this, it's a failing marriage. It's a uh, unrealized talent movie. It's a uh, uh, a strange teenager mom relationship and old and dad mom relationship. Childhood trauma, generational trauma. Yeah. <laughs> which you could see, which you could see Daniel Kwan kind of working through in his own right through the movie and the writing, which yeah. was actually really interesting. But all that to say, like. It, it can, to me, and just to talk critically of it, because we're going to wax poetic about it the rest of the podcast, it can get a little bit, like, all over the place, and that's what the movie is. I understand that. It can get a little... So, like, if you're not... If you turn away for two seconds, you may miss a little bit of the backstory. So, for that, like, I give it a, I give it an A. I need to see it again. It is, like, a 95. It's not the... It's definitely not the best movie I've ever seen. It's the best movie this year, 
for sure. And it's one that I will love and go back to and watch a ton. And I wish we had more movies like this. And it's definitely done uh, the multiverse better than like, dude, if uh, I will say this, if Dr. Strange comes out and this movie shits on that, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, <laughs> they don't do the multiverse like this. It's going to, ooh, going to be, have to answer some questions, Feige. Um, yeah, I give well, it an A. I don't I, think Wanda, I don't think Wanda could put everything on a bagel. I don't know if that's one of her powers. Yeah. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Hey, y'all a lot of spoilers. This is pretty much a spoiler podcast. That's not a spoiler. Some people are good at putting everything on a bagel, and some people are just generally not. This is a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> the Einstein so, brothers are incredible at putting everything on a bagel. Okay. Now we're talking about the Daniel brothers. But our books, not so much. <laughs> or not the Daniel brothers. They're not brothers at all. Let's see. I'm probably the Daniels. Like literally, I was I was reading an article, an interview they were doing. Uh, I think it was with Collider or something. And they were talking about how they started off like just watching YouTube videos and consuming insane unlimited amounts of YouTube videos. And then that's where you get into like the adult swim that you were talking about, uh, Royden, and then like how they are here and then some of their short films and then Swiss Army Man, if you've seen that, go watch that too. But like everything everywhere all at once was all of that. And it is an amalgamation of a ton of movies because it is like five different genres. You do realize you just watch like a sci-fi action mm -hmm. comedy horror drama romance all of it and i only push back on the fact that it's a little everywhere i guess visually it's everywhere but not one line not one scene not one interaction with two characters was left loose there was no loose ends in this movie nope. everything mattered if you do look away, you are going to miss a point. It explained every single thing that occurred that was crazy. It made everything meaningful. So I think it's not everywhere. I mean, it is everything ever all at once, literally, but it was a very complete story. There was nothing missing. You may ask what the fuck is going on most of the time, but it's going to tell you what the fuck is going on. There was times where it was like very on the nose about it, where Jobu, the villain, she's like... Um, you're starting to get it. This is crazy. None of this fucking makes sense. Ah, so you're starting to understand. And it's like, yeah. a, like a shout out to the movie. Like, that's the dad would say, I'm still a little lost. <laughs> and she'd be like, yeah, and this one would be like, yeah, that's a good thing. You're, you're starting to understand. Fine. Yeah. I take points I off say... because if you're epileptic, epileptic you're not going to enjoy this film. <laughs> they were, oh, God. They, they should have had that little warning of they the should have a warning of you. That shit. It, it, sometimes visually, it's just like, oh, my God. It's a lot. Yeah. Visually, it's it is a lot. Everywhere. It's a lot. But yeah, I said I said in our group chat, like this movie, it felt like having ADHD and like being at a party on a couch, just like, drunk as shit. And like everything that you're thinking of is like playing out fully completely like on screen. And but you're also like talking about the meaning of life with your friends. Like everything that you're having, like while you're having that conversation, is like just still going. Which is it's which like, is a, a it, it's a good point by you, Dex, because I think one of them does have ADHD. Like Quan yeah. has said that he had ADHD, and so it's he's always been a he said he's always been a maximalist filmmaker, which none of this movie is subtle whatsoever. Like, <laughs> so it I mean, there's subtle things about the script and stuff like that. Like you said, like the like the the cards and the IRS and stuff like that. But it is all in your face all the time, much like anything from Adult Swim or anything from this era of comedy it's it's all right there it's it's all visible and so it is very like we're getting the generation of filmmakers who have been on adderall since they were 10 
And like, we're getting that generation of filmmakers like making movies now. They're all like, yeah, they're all like 35 now. And they they said, hey, kid, here's a camera. And he's like, oh, you know, so it is interesting. Um, So yeah, any uh, like, we can kind of go through the movie. I know we don't have like a ton of time, Mo, with you, but like what some scenes that kind of stood out to y'all like throughout of it, like y'all have any notes? If you haven't watched the movie, stop listening now. Yeah, spoilers. The- rest of the thing. Okay, rest of the thing is spoilers. Okay. Yeah. I told Mo, I was the the beginning of the movie before you realized. Obviously, you know this day is not going to be a normal day. But in the beginning of the uh, of the movie, the day is not normal for the main character for other reasons. She doesn't really realize what's happening right now. And but the way that the score is so tense with the with the with the instruments, the way that it's just like you're immediately thrown into this very chaotic day. Everyone is talking to our main character, but she's just kind of talking at them. She's not really paying attention to them because she's trying to figure out her own shit. And so everyone's talking at her about very big issues that are happening in the family. And there's basically, you know, like the the family's being splintered and she doesn't realize that. And there's so much to be said about, you know, you're going through your day. You got a million things happening, but there's all these red flags. And in your family, there's these check engine lights that are going off. But you don't realize it. But but there it's happening now, and it just happens to be happening at the same time that this very universal crisis. Basically, you got to save the world right now, but also you got to save your family right now. And the way that they the, the way that they open the movie in such a chaotic fashion is just such a cool way to show the deterioration of the family before we get to go build it back up. And I just love the way it's done. The score of this is something I will put on when I'm sitting and doing work, and it's just kind of like got that always there's always a tone of like quickness like it's tense like you gotta make this things are gotta happen right now and i love that you're thrown into that immediately as soon as you start the movie you're immediately thrown into very chaotic day and i just it never it never kind of lets off and i love that about the movie here's the thing y'all know how i feel about film and tv and i think that when a movie can package such a profound message because it has a very profound message about relationships and failures and successes and hardship and love and romance. But when you can like put that in a package of adult swim sketches, right? Multiple adult swim swim sketches. When you can, when the Daniels capture this like profound message about life and love and learning how people love. And she was, you know, there's moments where she's like, I'm learning to fight like you. I'm going to be like, so she like Michelle Yeoh found herself being the other characters and which is her family and her, that one reality. And it's just like all of this is packaged in this satirical surrealism. So it's hilarious. It's gentle. It's fun. It's exciting. It doesn't make sense. Like, come on, guys. The rock scene. I yeah. One of the guys that, interviewed me that, that was on my uh, I have a I have a YouTube video online, guys, about a YouTube. Uh, what we watch uh, by Miss Picharino, by the way. And we. 11, I had 11 guests on there talk about it, one of them being Teej, so thank you for joining. And he said that they were going to shoot the rock scene with uh, in IMAX, with IMAX cameras. They were literally going to do that with IMAX, and, and they said that they could not get the cameras up there. That's the only reason they didn't do it, because <laughs> they couldn't get the <laughs> it, um, it, like, that was the That's most insane. indie film thing that I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. too, they're like, all right, these rocks are going to talk to each other. <laughs> It was so perfect. On second viewing, I found an editing mistake or a continuity mistake. What did you find? The rocks? Oh, was it that the googly eyes were on the other rock? 
the two rocks were black rocks. I picked up, and it, I picked up on this. Too. That? Okay. That's like the only. Only the second time. Only the second time. Yeah. You don't see on the first time, the second time. But yeah, that's my quote unquote criticism of the movie. <laughs> they they <laughs> discolored one rock in one short scene. One note. Yeah. <laughs> that's one note. No, I I don't know about all the deep stuff though. But when Jenny Slate was like slinging her dog around and hitting and using her dog as a nunchuck, that was dark. Can we shout out Jenny Slate? I really like her. A twenty four queen. She's in everything. I like her a lot. Yeah. She's yeah, great. She's, she's she, funny. She bodied like it. Marcel the shell with uh, with shoes on. That's Jenny Slate. She's never like uh, a wait, lead. Jenny actor, Slate like- is Jenny Slate is in Marcel the shell. She's Marcel. She is does she the voice. Really? Yeah, yeah, she's Marcel. That's, the not, shell. A, that's not a kid. No, that's her. She's that's always she's been the shell, like the whole. She's time? been the shell or... since like 2010. Yeah. Holy shit! What? what? <laughs> I thought yeah. that was a kid. No, that was her. That was she made that short film with the actual filmmaker back in the day, and then yeah, it's taken now like two, like ten years to make the to make the movie. Why well, didn't I, I thought that was just some kid, like the annoying orange or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, so yeah, the, shout out to this movie, like celebrating absurdity, though, right? Like, yeah. life is pretty you know, crazy, guys. I, I mean, just I don't the, know. The my way... favorite thing. Go ahead, Ryan. No, well, just the way that it, um, even the way that they all would learn new skills, like it was like, like, like Neo in the Matrix, where he's like, I like know the Matrix food. downloads, yeah, for the it, funniest version of that, yeah. <laughs> It, even some of the ways and it would be funny when they just wouldn't work and so now she just like went into a different universe because she didn't do the right thing she didn't say the to the woman i love you well enough or like didn't the guy didn't give himself paper cuts well enough which is like ah shit um it was kind of gross there are some that gross was moments honestly the hardest movie. part of the movie to I'm watch kind of gross or when he's was, eating, when he's really eating the gum off of the under the table or chewing the chapstick, that stuff's not easy to watch. I don't or like that. She, kind of she eats the snot made, off of his. Yeah, that's that stuff yeah, is hard to watch. Grandpa yeah. eat the snot. I was like, okay. yeah, that they stuff's got, hard to watch. They got Bond girl, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like right. Chinese royalty Michelle Yeoh to like to like eat snot off of somebody's face and then to. <laughs> And, oh, by the way, in in femdom, their director on camera. Wait, that guy, that guy that gets that the femdom. That's the other. I didn't that's, know that. I didn't that, know that. That's Daniel Steiner. That's yeah. Steiner. yeah, that's Steiner. Yeah, that's even Incredible. funnier. That's that's what that's a uh, M Night Sh- 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 Shyamalan. Shyamalan. He put himself in the old movie. I know y'all didn't see it, but I love no, when no, directors do that. <laughs> no, he. If I was director, I would never put myself in. Yeah, why not? Yeah, of course. What else? I here every day. Yeah, I'm here every day. Yeah, y'all gonna see me for sure. But what are you saying, uh, Dax? You were trying to set make a point. Yeah, I think we talked about how like it. We've talked about how like it's very like nihilistic, like addresses all that and stuff like that. But my favorite thing about the movie is that it just like by the end of it, it gets around to being like, like yeah nothing really really matters but like that's what makes life worth living it's just like being kind to people mm-hmm. and you know just choosing to love people because nothing matters like you know maybe you're not a movie star like you could have been 
or a singer or a chef, but like still like kind of people realizing that everybody else got their going on to just choosing to love people is like makes all this worth it. Even if it's not, we are just, you know, a floating rock, floating on a rock, billion other rocks or whatever. Like, well, so that's well, what that I love the... about this movie. That's what really hit for me. Oh my gosh, well, that was the message of what they were trying to spread. And, and again, I go back to their, it, it, it's from a few weeks ago. I would, I would really recommend go listening to Sean Fennessy in the big picture that the interview that he did with him. There's a great podcast from the ringer, but it, um, they, they did about a 30 minute interview with him and they really got into that. And he said that one of the Daniels said like, if nothing matters, why not be a good person? Which is like a really, which is a really good message. Yeah, good message to spin because we, when you see, when you see people that are just like, oh, well, nothing matters, so I might as well like just cause anarchy. Which is Be like a, a lot of the, a lot of the movies <laughs> yeah, that we've gotten late lately. Like, you know, nothing matters. I'm Joker, gonna turn into the Joker. Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's how you usually get nihilism expressed. And like nothing yeah. matters, so I'm just going to be the worst version of myself because who cares, right? That's how you that? become the Joker, yes. Like, but this yeah. is like nothing matters, but also you can be kind because human relationships and love, that stuff actually does matter, and it might be the only thing that matters. So you need to make sure that that is something that you carry about into the world. It's like that's it's, it's very profound, even you though it's very, it out. Like, you don't have to go very deep to get it, but it's very profound. You but leave that is- feeling out there in the universe, whenever whatever it is, you it's come contagion. to an end. Yeah, it's, when you come to an end, you have left that out at least in the universe, which I think is a very awesome message. And the Daniels went further than just saying like love people, because like what does that mean? Like oh, be kind. Like no, when someone's a dick to you, you might not be kind back to them. And it like <laughs> it's it like supported and justified that too in those moments where Michelle learns to love like Waymond, right? And so she instead of fighting everybody in that. What was she in? Like the office? Is that the, still the IRS? Yeah, they, they're in the IRS <laughs> office they, still. They literally do not leave that IRS office, like except for just. <laughs> I uh, feel I think, like I think she, when they go to the everything bagel scene, uh, the cooking scene, and when she's an actress, and even the actress is spoiled. Like to get into the weeds, sorry, Mo, but like see, the actress, they're watching her in the office. Right. In the movie. <laughs> yeah. in, in, but like in those moments too, and thank you for bringing that up. But like Michelle Yeoh, like, you know, our main character, we see her like, she's like, I'm learning to fight like you. Cause he's like, I don't want to fight. I just want everyone to be kind, be kind, you know? And I'm like, oh, this little meek yeah. little guy. It's like, just be kind. And, you know, and then in the other movie star universe, it's like, he's like, I'm still the same person, but it's strategic and necessary, which was like my favorite line of the movie. But as she's fighting through that, it's like, it's showing you that the way you love is important. And they wrap that up. Again, this script wrapped literally every single lineup when she goes and TJ, you and I talked about this too, where she goes and she sees Becky at the end and she still criticizes Becky, the, the, mm-hmm. the girlfriend. She still girlfriend. criticizes, yeah, you really need to grow your hair out, sweetie. Grow your hair. And that's her way of loving. And they tell you early in the movie, and so when it's she not criticizes just being, you, she loves you. I mean, yeah. So it's not just being loving and being kind it's like also accepting how people love each other and sometimes it takes you stepping out of yourself to say oh okay i don't love like that but since you love me like this we can figure this out and we can move forward they didn't make michelle like transform right like yeah. character development and stuff always, like, transform like oh now that i've seen the world i'm going to be a different person no I told you you need to lose weight because you need to fucking lose weight. I think Becky should grow her hair out. And I think that you need to stop, you know, just showing up when you just want stuff. Joe Boo Tabaki. But then, like, 
it just they let her be herself still so it was just it was just so nice I'll tell you the line that only that the only line that nearly made me cry. Like, like I could say people like I could see where you could cry in this movie for some reason. Like the only one that nearly made me cry was when again, Kiwi Kwan fantastic after 20 years of not acting, he was doing like stunt work for like X-Men and stuff like that. He was, he had a, he's had a really interesting say the taxes and laundry line. It was, yeah, it was if, mm-hmm. if all my, if, <laughs> If that reality was only doing taxes and laundry, favorite. I was still. That's my favorite line. I nearly bawled in the. Theater. I was bawling. Like, oh my god! Like I was like. Thank that you. Was the, that was the only one that really made like I could see where like the rock scene and like obviously the ending where they're crying together and like embracing each other. But yeah, the when when he was like, I would have loved you even if, and that was just I was. Oh like, my oh, god! Yeah. Ruined me. Uh, <laughs> I want to. peak romance I, in a sci-fi action comedy movie. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I cry during almost every movie, but the moments that really got me. First of all, I want to shout out the fact that coming from this being like the guy from the Goonies, this is such an interesting character and such a great, great uh, vehicle for that actor to showcase himself because he's playing very different characters and he's literally popping in and out of the movie at different times into these different characters, which is just amazing. But you still see the same uh, you know the same heart throughout those characters, even though their their disposition is different, their confidence might be different. The way that they like that that you could say they still have the same heart, which I love. And the part that really made me cry was when they finally get to the end and go back to the IRS office the next day or the next week or whenever it is, and she has that moment because in the in the beginning in the beginning of the movie they both have these moments of longing. I'll give Mo credit again. Another thing she pointed out that when when. <laughs> In the beginning, in the laundromat, when the when Michelle Yeoh's character is watching the kind of Indian, the 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 Middle Eastern dance thing, where there's like this romance, where this man and this woman are dancing that they keep using to to use as a reference point, she's having a moment of longing. Right before that scene, her her husband is dancing with the stranger in the laundromat. He just likes to dance, and it's like she's longing for this romance in which somebody's dancing, where her husband is obviously like wants to dance with her. And then later, the husband has a moment of longing where he sees an affectionate older couple when they walk into the IRS office. He sees that they're being affectionate. He's just like, he has a moment of longing of like, man, I want that. Maybe I've had that before, but I don't have that anymore in my marriage. And so when they go back, when they, when they resolve it, they go back to the IRS office and she gives him this very, very embraceive, very warm felt touch. And she looks right at him because earlier he said, I know you don't want to be married to me because of the way that you look at me. She gives him this look. She kind of puts her hair back and she gives him that. that you you feel this fire and you're just like, that is perfect because and these she, two people, one, have to nail that moment as, as performers, but also, two, it gives you everything because it's like everything has come full circle. Now they're both having that moment of longing together. The look in his eyes just like, I've been waiting she, for you to look at me for like that for 20 years and I finally got it. It's just beautiful. It made me cry every time. She she kisses him just like he was longing for the kiss in the IRS. Like they kissed in that yep. same exact spot where he saw the older. And then like exactly. you said, like I was telling you with her longing in the laundromat, looking at the TV and the, you know, the romance on TV, it wasn't even before. Behind her, her husband was with the client from of the laundromat dancing with him and she was like look he likes to dance he knows some of the dance moves of the chinese like you know folkloric dance and she and she's ignoring him to go see another couple dance yeah, and it's like go dance know. with your husband right there but it was just so beautiful i just wish michelle Yeoh would look at me that way <laughs> <Don't>. 
<laughs> dude when they showed that like montage of her just being a famous actress and it was literally just like real moments from her real crazy rotations behind her that's i was a, like bro this is so cool that's a superstar like imagine you're in a movie and you're a movie star in the movie and they're like just run my just run my highlight reels bro right. yeah, like, run, that, run that shit back check the motherfucking back. tape <laughs> like what you mean I'm a movie star, quote unquote? Take them quotes off. Run my real shit. Like that's <laughs> that's boss shit, right? There. I, I wonder if they stole me, that. Bitch. They had to. What if they stole that footage? They were just like, they're just like, just put it in, just put it in the crazy rich Asians one. Like who cares? Vanity Fair will understand. Take it. This is an incredibly meta movie too. Like especially with that part. Like like uh, a lot of movies are meta now, but this is like not stupid. So I can't believe uh, we got to this point without talking about the ratatouille-ness of it all. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, what was our favorite, like, what was our favorite bits throughout the movie? I said the dog scene made me laugh out loud when she threw the dog through the office space and, like, oh locked it in the fridge. But the ratat the raccoonie ratatouille bit was the most absurd thing that I've ever Incredible. seen on a It was so absurd. Was I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> there are two moments that made me laugh the hardest both times I watched. The first one is... When she thinks she's in a fight and the tax lady, Jamie Lee Curtis, is walking back towards her. And she's like, okay, I'm finally ready to fight. And they have the build up and oh, the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she just pushes her. The way, the way that Jamie Lee Curtis plays the scene, she's like, you have no idea. The way she plays it is just so good. That's, that's my, she, Jamie Lee Curtis is phenomenal in this movie, y'all. Y'all are going to love every second of her on screen. So the second good. funniest moment is when... Uh, she's she's so she, there, there are moments where she takes a physical injury and it affects her in other universes and you see the effects of it in another universe so she was doing the chef part she's cooking she gets hit in the head and she messes up the chefing that she's doing in the chef universe and the guy comes over and says if you keep fucking up we're gonna give your shifts to whatever his name is and you look and the guy behind her is just swagging on her doing tricks and shit doing a little shopping <laughs> and she looks with, so mad at with the raccoon tail <laughs> with the raccoon on the, the raccoon tail is hanging out of his hat it is so good it was the bit where the bit where she walks in on him like she's on disoriented but she walks in on him doing the doing the ratatouille thing and she's he's like she's seen too much she's seen too much <laughs> <laughs> The raccoon just how shitty, so much. You gotta get how rid of shitty her. the raccoon looked. Yeah, it just incredible. Like, yeah. They just went and bought that at Bass Pro Shops for like five bucks. <laughs> I think somebody said the voice of that was Randy Newman. The voice really? of the raccoon is Randy Newman. I didn't realize it, it, but the second time I watched it after I heard that, it's definitely Randy Newman. It sounds just like him. But I didn't. I didn't realize it the first time. Either. I need now. I gotta watch it a third time and laugh even hard. The raccoon. I can't wait to go see it the second time. How many scenes where it was just a shot of the raccoon in the cage? There was like four of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they knew that I would die laughing at this. Well, that's where it's like because there's so much heart and stuff in this movie. You kind of forget sometimes that like they literally just have a puppet raccoon puppet like do it like like. <laughs> It looks like one of those Chuck E. Cheese monsters. Yeah, like, it exactly. does. Yeah, like, yeah, it looks like that. Like an animatronic from like right. early Disney <laughs> ride. It, 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 and that's where it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen something like Safety Guarantee or Safety Not Guaranteed or something like that. Uh, some of those early 2000, 2010s indie films where it truly felt like they were making them for a million dollars or like even less. Like that's, it still had those sensibilities, which was incredible to me. 
they, they can make all of this together and, and still like, yeah, have a puppet on strings that, you know, you're going to be like, this is ridiculous, but like, yes. whatever, we're going to put it in here. Absurdity, but with sensibility. Exactly. Like it just, it was, it was so crazy. My favorite crying out loud scenes. First of all, every film, the villain is what I'm always looking for. Cause I love yep. the villain. <laughs> I don't know how I am. I love a villain. And I love that this villain was just an angry teenager. Like this movie is about teen angst. Okay. Like, <laughs> but the teenager doesn't like, suck, which is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> like, and I guess everybody that's watches the movie has been a teenager before. So you like, there's this moment where they talk about a teenager and they're like, she has like this insanely like bad powers, but it's like, there's like a greater good inside of her. And she like, doesn't know what she wants. And she has like no compass or morals or anything, <laughs> <laughs> no desires. And that's, he's describing, she's like, but somehow it's just empowering and she's looking for you. And I was just like, they're literally describing teenagers to the T, like they were going in on teenagers. Okay. It's like the teenager is like the most <laughs> dangerous person across the multiverse. I was like, this is an amazing concept. Just teenagers are I've said they think this a they lot, know and they don't. I've said this a lot on this podcast, but a lot of movies have a teenage girl problem where, like, when one of the main characters is a teenage girl, the directors, who are usually men, have no idea how to make a teenage girl, like, not be a terrible person <laughs> in a movie. Right. Like, even with a movie that's, like, really good, like Coda. Coda's an incredible movie. They made the teenager at the center of it just an awful person. Like, she stinks, and that's, like, how the movie is. <laughs> able to function as a film but like this movie is centered around a teenage girl and she is just like a normal person who you understand and like is it insane right? it's, it's so good it, it makes it's you because she gives she gives an amazing awesome. performance her performance is just so good she's really good as the big bad version but also really really good as the my mom is being very shitty to me at a time where i really need her moments and that emotion really comes through and the fact that she's so good in both of those roles is why you don't have the annoying teenager problem because you're exactly. always sympathetic for her or you're always like she is a cool villain even if this movie didn't have the heart it did this is a cool villain that is going to make me look at the screen longer like she just well, bodies they, both roles when she slapped the cops with dildos yes <laughs> incredible to the point where there was blood on the dildos I was like they held back nothing in this movie uh -uh. I actually love that that's when I truly knew that this movie was going to be the most, the most insane when she shows up and it's cause they, she's such a good villain because obviously she has the most badass interest scene of all time. Wardrobe. And it's like wardrobe. Ward, yeah. Wardrobe on 10. And then like she Make shows up, up face was beat to the gods. Face was very <laughs> yeah. That's my girl. That's she, my girl. Uh, she, she explodes one cop's head into confetti. She like, she beats a cop with dildos and when she did i was like this is i screamed laughing in the theater i'm not kidding i was like i think people thought i was like i was like this is the funniest thing i've ever seen in my entire life it was so crazy i wish when i, I knew say what it and when they stopped the scene to just be like wait you're still yeah. tripping that your daughter's still gay. hung up on the yeah. back of like girls <laughs> and it was like the universe is so much and it was just like a again just a profound message for so many people that are watching that movie like oh no like you're still stuck on people being gay the universe is so much bigger than that and it was yeah. just it's like, like bro i'm the worst person in the multiverse and you're <laughs> mad that i'm gay. That <laughs> mad because i like women <laughs> yeah like she's delivering a like y'all are stupid for like tripping over gay people while kicking cops asses i was like this is genius this is fantastic yeah.
when I knew this movie was like built different for sure, sure that I was gonna just absolutely fucking love this shit was when uh, my man Wayman was just beating the fuck out of everybody in the IRS with a fanny pack. I was like, yeah. all right, now now we cooking. This is incredible. Like he beat the fuck out of those people. <laughs> man, when I I think the first time I laughed like really out loud is when he like picks up the he gets done beating their ass a couple of times and he picks up the fanny pack and he puts like marbles or like. Rocks in the aquarium. Rocks in the aquarium. And that bald one in the bald uh, security <laughs> guard looks at the camera and goes, Oh, fuck. I watched it. I was like, That's why this movie's rated R. They started saying fuck like so much after that. <laughs> it was so well, The was kung so fu funny. in this movie is just so good. Restoring the feeling. Good, yeah. <laughs> very oh, good. We know Which, this is what Michelle Yeoh does. Like, we know that right. she. She invented this shit, like, but it's so fucking good in this movie. The the statistical inevitability jumping pad. Like, even saying that sounds fucking insane. But the fact that they use that as, like, a plot device is amazing. Like, there's an easy, easy gag to get laughs from. It's perfect. It's like, it made me laugh every time. Every time. I hated, I hated the chapstick scene. Because remember, at that point, they hadn't told us what the fuck. You don't know why he's doing that. So you're just like, I was like. What the fuck is this movie? Please, what is going on? And then it was like, like when I ate the chapstick. And so when they come back and they're like, oh, you have like a strong pinky. I'm like, okay. This <laughs> Just to add more absurdity to what this already absurd film is like, we're going to have our actors do even more absurd shit. And they we can't Bill, talk about Kill Bill vibes on that part. Yeah. They kill Bill vibes. We got, we can't talk about absurdity without talking the thing that I think a lot of people are going to talk about this movie. They have uh, Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis be a couple, but with uh, hot dog fingers. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> I went back and I looked at the poster for this movie. That's on the poster. Like so much. It is. Happening. Yeah. So much Everything. is happening on the poster that like you just don't really pay attention to it until you've like seen the movie and you're like, oh. The butt there, the hot dog fingers <laughs> there, everything is there. Like, and I just knew, right in plain sight. I knew my mind was trash. I guess everybody's mind was trash. The moment they, those awards showed up on her desk, I was I like, knew. I knew. I as like, soon as they showed the shape of them, I was like, that's coming back. Like, they're going back to that gag for sure. I was like, they're about to do some butt play in here. I like that. <laughs> the. <laughs> The, uh, I think I was, I was like screaming. I was, I, I'm legitimately, I haven't had this experience in the theater. Like, I try right. to keep a level of decorum in the theater or whatever. But I was like, I ah, when, whenever, whenever he was like, they were trying their hardest to see who could get their asshole rammed by that trophy. <laughs> they were just, they were trying, and then the guy does a full cannonball onto it. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I, Bro, I was so nervous they were gonna take it too far and show too much while that was happening. They did, but they censored it because I think that was still too far. But it was like perfectly too far. It wasn't like Jackass, but like it could have been. They should have made it like Jackass. I think they should have just let let it rock. I mean, like I said, I was tripping nah, when he. Was I think eating. they they nailed it. The eating chapstick <laughs> had me more shook than sitting on a butt plug, cannonballing onto a butt plug. Oh man! I also yeah, love when the when the dad. There's like a point where the dad now, or the, sorry, the granddad is like, you have to kill her in this universe, and he starts talking, and then you just pan to the daughter, and the daughter goes, "When did his English get so good? Because he speaks Chinese in the beginning of the movie." Like he can't speak everything in that script comes back. She was like, "When did his English get so good? When did he start? Yeah. When did Gong Gong start speaking English?" 
when he when he shows up out of when he shows up out of nowhere and, and hits her with the like jetpack wheelchair. So he had, <laughs> and then in the other universe, his like he ends up being a transformer with his wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So it, it leaves you the the ending of the movie, and we'll move on to because I know we're gonna be running along here. But uh, the ending of the movie leaves you sort of like with a few questions about what universe is she actually in? Do they like? It doesn't really matter, but like just like you know because they've said that in the movie, um, she's been able now to uh, kind of harness it and focus on whatever focus her energy on whatever universe that she deems is necessary which is kind of interesting and you believe that her daughter has done the same thing too and now that they're that now that they're whole again what did we think about the ending of the movie uh the kind of catharsis at the end of it all of it kind of erupting in on itself with like multiple sequences and flashes and and things like that and then of course uh them not going into the everything bagel which was a funny thing to put on screen too we haven't really talked about the everything bagel i i love that that the fact that it, the movie stays true to its characters. They learn lessons, but they are still them at the end of the movie. Which, in a in a clumsier movie with a with less deft hands writing with the script, you don't see Michelle Yeoh's character criticize the girlfriend. You see her express her love and affection towards the girlfriend in a way that's not like the character we started the movie with. Whereas they let the character go on the journey, and they're so like. You are still you. You have learned some lessons and maybe you have reprioritized uh, the importance of certain things in your life, but you're still you. I love that because as so many times you kind of get that storybook ending, especially in movies that are like, fam- I know this is rated R, but it's like, this is like a family movie. They could have easily made it a Disney ending and they didn't. They made it a really true ending to the emotions of the people that mm-hmm. we've been on the journey with. And I love that. I lo- That's something that stands out to me. Every time I've watched it so far, it's like, I love the fact that Michelle Yeoh's character doesn't become a different person. That's just such a cool way to end the movie. And I, I, I it, it is right that there are some questions at the end of the movie, but they don't, they're not questions that bother me because I, I like with you, Roy, like it doesn't actually matter which yeah. universe that she's focusing on because we know now that she knows how to go through these universes in a way that keeps her family together and she's going to focus on the things that matter. So I really love it. Yeah. And I love how, like, they kind of basically flat out said like everything like across all the universes, Wayman is still, you know, who he is. Good. And, and that love and it still makes itself apparent in every single version of the universe. Like no matter what Michelle Yeoh does or, you know, no matter what her daughter does, whatever, Wayman is still who he is and is still a kind person and that still matters every single so yeah, I fucking love the ending of this movie. I like I said at the beginning, no notes, A plus, ten out of ten, hundred out of hundred. I fucking love this movie. My guy was looking handsome as hell in that suit and those glasses, though. Too, I will say that he killing him. Nice. You saw him. Her her draw basically dropped to the ground. She was like, "Damn!" I, and I love that because she well, gas out here that, like this. Yeah, she's like, "My life is." I glowed up without you in this universe, and then she sees him. She's like, "Oh, you did like I thought you'd be born in America." He's <laughs> like, "No, I guess I got lucky." So but you too right like, yeah, she was I like, without you too like you're not the only one oh, going up around here we're better that. without each other 
she was she was talking to whoever she was like wait oh she was talking to the Wayman from she was like I have to finish telling him how beautiful my life was without him and in that moment you're like oh yeah women empowerment better without the men and then you go back and he was like he was better without her too <laughs> that was a really funny line he's like wait I have to tell the other Wayman how much like I have to tell my husband how much I don't need him how much I how much I regret marrying him like if I wouldn't I would have been a movie star and then just again looking dapper as hell and then just having like again, I waterworks tears when he said that he would do taxes and laundry with her after we've just seen this whole movie of how stressful and awful and he was about to divorce her with the taxes and laundry universe. He was like, "I'd do that." I was like, "My God, please!" That was something that we didn't touch on either. And, and really quick, he's like, even then, and I didn't notice this. My wife noticed this. Is that um, is that he said he was only going to get a divorce because it would make her look talk at him yeah. yeah talk, talk about it yeah like talk about yeah, it yeah like, he wasn't so actually even, gonna go through with it he just wanted to talk it through yeah, yeah. even get even in getting a divorce my guy wayman is still like in on his feelings oh. like he's just like the gag with the papers is just so well done because she finds that the, he oh. thinks that she knows about the divorce because he saw the paper but really she was reading the notes on the back of it. So they're having two different conversations. She thinks we're talking about the universal threat. He's actually talking about their marriage and you have a lot of fun with this. You don't know, like I'm here and I'm gone. I'm here, but then I'm gone again. Kind of gag where she's never sure which version of the husband she's talking to. They have a ton of fun with that gag. And what? it's funny the entire time. One of my favorite scenes, it was just perfectly shot where, cause like we know as an audience what's written on the back. And so she's looking at what's on the back and he's like, and she's like, so you know, you were in the elevator. He's like, yeah, I was in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, I was in the elevator. <laughs> I was in the elevator. And it's like this, oh my God, I was like this perfect script to film, but I love the ending. And again, I think we've touched on it a couple of times, but I love the ending because character development always has like this transformation. And it's like a transformation. Like I used to be like this and now I'm like this. Every single character walked into that IRS um, thing at the very end, uh, IRS, whatever office, and was the exact same person that they were at the beginning of the movie, just mm -hmm. with the transformation mentally and emotionally, but they yeah, still were a new perspective. Yes, yeah. just an additional perspectives, like you said, reprioritizing just with more love and you can be yourself with more love. And I'm like, thank God a movie didn't try to just like, oh, life is so changing. Like shit really isn't going to change in a day. Like, right. Like all that technically happened in like a day or two. So, or like a week, I guess the week was after the, um, they came back to the, uh, to the IRS. Cause she said yeah. the Kurt, Jamie Lee Curtis gave them a week, but either way, like all that j multiverse jumping happened in a day. And it's like, no, I'm still the same person. I'm just a little bit more self-aware and therefore more gracious than everybody else. And that is how you transform characters. And that is how you end a fucking movie. The very last line in that movie, she was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? I wasn't listening, which is exactly what she said in the very beginning, which is exactly, yeah. all, exactly why she was all in the shit in the first place. Cause she wasn't paying attention to her damn IRS. And it was like, no, I'm still not paying attention. And it was like, that's so profound. But that it's for I a different love. reason. It's for love now. Yeah. yeah. Now it's for love. And now it's because it's I'm probably in different universes. Perfect then, ending. Oh, y'all, y'all have wrapped this up better than I ever could. Just to put a bow I have on a question this, be... though before we move okay. on. Okay, so we talked about how, like, in the movie superstar scene, they just use like real clips of uh, Michelle Yeoh in like the Crazy Rich Asians red carpet and all this other shit, right? So my question is, like, at the beginning of like her movie star universeness, she's like assaulted, and that's why she learns martial arts. Is that what really happened? Do we know? 
probably no. Not. No, she was uh she was she was Miss um uh she was like she won a Miss uh uh where where she's from. Sorry, uh wherever she's from, like a, she won that. Like a pageant. Is she Malaysian? Yeah, uh, Malaysian. Yeah, she won yes. Miss Malaysia. Sorry, I didn't want to get that wrong. Um, yeah, she won uh, a Miss Malaysia pageant in 1983 at 20, and then she was in. She began acting, but she knew martial. She learned martial arts as well, and she was in stuff like uh, Super Cop Three with Jackie Chan and stuff. He like was that. working with Jackie Chan very, very early on, before Jackie Chan started to pop in America. Like they were making movies over there, and she became a, a huge star, and she was doing kung fu stuff already. But that, yeah, that that part of the story isn't from her life. Yeah, and she it would be I, interesting. It'd be even crazier. Hell yeah! She doesn't actually. She has. She never actually trained martial yeah, arts. Yes, she does it in film. She, has, she, she has. just learned uh -huh. it sometimes in film. She's a dancer. Yeah, she's she a dancer. Does. does her own stunts. Learns some stuff in film, and so that's how she gets this like blanket. She does martial arts, but she's actually never trained for martial yeah. arts. Yeah, go watch a Vanity know. Fair interview she did. I think with. Um, where they do the it was either it's either Vanity Fair or GQ they both do the same thing where it's like yeah. break down your career I think it's this one was Vanity Fair but she was doing nut stunts in those uh, Chinese movies because they just do the stunts without practicing them they're just like they strap you to the side of a car and have you like jump off like she nearly died she it's it yes it's crazy what she's done in film and I'm glad she's getting movie the flowers star. here absolute movie star movie queen fucking um, star. I, I am, and, and I wrap this all up with on that conversation with it. There's an early Oscars push for Michelle Yeoh and Dex. You you told us this as well, but um, I'm interested to see one if this continues having steam because we saw even things that like came out what like the you know Batman, not the Batman, but Batman, uh, the Dark Knight like mm -hmm. inception those nolan movies that would still get oscar nominations lose a ton of steam and even though they were the best received and best what made movies anyway they i'm interested to see if this like has that amount of steam going forward what kind of push they do this if oscars voters will like a movie that's as silly and as zany and not as melodramatic as like power of the dog or coda or anything like that Will they vote for this? Because this would be a, a like a far cry from a bunch of stuff that has won Oscars over the last, like even something as hopeful as La La Land still didn't win an Oscar. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like in the same vein, I'll be interested to see what happens with this. They I don't think it has. It. Good. They, I would re-release it again in theaters in that January, February mark and try to reestablish the steam because I, I I just think it's the only thing that's going to hold it back is that long runway where we just, uh, for example, we just saw because this was the longest Oscar season we've ever had because the Oscar got pushed back. Like power of the dog literally lost the race. Not that anybody on this podcast is complaining about that, by the way, because our power <laughs> the dog is a piece of shit, but the power of the dog literally lost the race that it was leading the whole time because they just ran out of time. And then like in the last couple of weeks, you start to get steam for the Apple movie, which was not the you know the outcome that Netflix wanted, but it too is much hard to maintain off. that. Yeah, it's like too much you're trying to run the clock out. It's hard to run the clock. keep running your offense. So they celebrate the one fifty six in the fourth. But if if it's safe before, if they're gonna be aligned with Apple, 
now that we know Apple has done this before, I think Apple can get it across the finish line, assuming Apple is who's going to actually be partnering with this on the distribution end. So I, I would, I think that Apple is going to be able to get it done. Now, if this is going to Netflix, I would tell you that it's going to be a failure because apparently the Oscars hate Netflix, but they don't hate Apple apparently. <laughs> so we can get this done. Yeah, the I mean, Oscars just will never give Netflix the best picture. Like, they're just like, <laughs> fuck you guys. No. And honestly, yeah. I, I just think, like, even outside of just celebrating Michelle Yeoh, too. Uh, well, not outside of it, but in addition to, she's a 60-year-old action movie star. Like, we Incredible. don't see that. She's a woman. She's a Malaysian, Asian woman. And she's an action movie star. She does her own stunts. She's 60 years old this year. And like, yeah, give her all it's of time. her freaking flowers. It's okay, time. that's what I was gonna say. I don't think this movie is like a, I don't think this is like a best picture nominee or anything like that. I just don't think oh, it'll I have do. that kind of like. They don't have that I, kind of rating one, in, the critics, in the critics and the board. I need one. It. I think this is going to be like a a banger year for like best picture nominees. Like, yeah. there's going to be so much shit. Like, we've got. A, a Scorsese film coming out. We've got a Nolan film coming out. We got a Spielberg film. We've got, you know, an we've got like a ton. Film. We've got a, a ton of shit coming. We got a Robert Eggers oh. film. We got a Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's coming this year. Yep. Yep. So there's a ton of shit that's going to be there for Best Picture. And I don't know if this movie is going to like be able to kind of stay with all that, especially given how weird it is. And some of that stuff will be way more traditional, like. Oscar-y stuff, so I think it might get left out there. But I do think that Michelle Yeoh is a great chance at like a best actress um, mm. because she's going to be in some other stuff that's coming out this year. So she's just going to keep being back like in the news and stuff. Especially like if if Avatar two finally comes out, like it's supposed to, she's going to be in that. You already know they're going to have her fucking everywhere for that. So a movie that is like, never going to come out. Two. There will Where be a year of Michelle Yeoh narrative. One take, it's coming out. Thank you. There will Maybe be the year of Michelle Yeoh narrative. Is it going to be any good? It is coming get out. He'll get that, no, that narrative like Laura Dern got it for Marriage Story, a movie she was barely even in. But everybody was like, it's the year of Laura Dern, baby. Laura Dern, <laughs> let's go. Uh, because Laura Dern, Laura Dern ate that. Okay. Yeah, yes. she was incredible. I love Laura Dern. But like, she was in the she movie, the for, movie like, for five minutes. Yeah, five it's, minutes. And they were like, Oscar, done. That's called efficiency. I agree. <laughs> so I think, I think Michelle Yeoh more Even if you want to call it a legacy Oscar, obviously it's not. Like she, all the main actors in this, including her, earned whatever it is that they get. I hope she gets points back on this film too, because this movie doesn't happen without her, obviously. But like, I, I would give an Oscar. I would give supporting Oscars to Stephanie Sue. I would give supporting Oscars to Kiwi Kwan. I would give you know best actress to her as well. Like set design stuff like all of the behind screen the screenplay like, give it screen, to me. Yeah. editing like i think i think it has um, a lot of chances to get that but yeah the best picture one is the one where it's going to be like where the you know the the troubled british man movie is going to like sweep all of a sudden because it's just like troubled british yeah man. <laughs> yeah it's going to be a bloodbath this year bros like this year i it was literally like wait. two Real movies that were in contention but like 2023, best picture is gonna be a fucking bloodbath, bros. Like, Real cinema gonna be, is back, bros. It's, it's gonna be a meditative, meditative movie about a guy staring into a camera. 
for like three hours. We got Yorgos Lanthimos coming back with Emma Stone, Oscar y- Darling. Yorgos like... God with Emma. They, 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 it's going to be incredible. I can't wait. Who's going to be the actor staring into the camera right in? Uh, who's going to be the actor staring into the camera? Jesse Plemons. Rami Malek. <laughs> oh Rami Malek. Jesse Plemons yeah. has a movie coming out this year. I don't remember what it is. But it's another. Oh, like, I hope he scares Royden. That's great. I, hope he scares I love Jesse Plemons, but it's gonna be something like Benedict Cumberbun is gonna stare into the. Stare. Thank you. Pumpernickel Cumberbun is gonna stare oh, out right. into yeah, this. And that Doctor Strange is gonna be dominated for Best Picture. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that'd be great. With um, my luck, Harry Styles is gonna win Best Actor. Like that's just how my life yeah. is going now. <laughs> You are on the losing side of that one, buddy. I, I, <laughs> I lost, bro. I, I called that one way early. That you. Were I'm cooked. Like I, there's nothing I can do at this point. I just had to mute his name from the TL. Like I can't win. I lost. The Harry Styles agenda won. I, I I'm over. It did. Uh, Harry Styles is he a he's a singer too, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he was a singer first. Yeah, he was. He performed um my one of my favorite film songs, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, at Coachella. So. Official Harry Styles fan as well here. Damn right. it, I lost again. <laughs> you lost again. You lost it's again. That, um, that has been our everything everywhere all at once. Go see it if you can in the theater or in a theater. See it. Go see it. In a theater. Go see it. Um, right now, after this ad break, we are going to do our favorite indie films very quickly right after this ad break from Apollo Houston. All right. Uh, it doesn't have to be a draft. You can give a couple, but. You know, Let's go, uh, Mo. Do you have your favorite indie film ever? And indie meaning for those for those who are unaware, it's like the top five studios. Anything really outside of that? For a while, it could have been actually you could have included Netflix in this uh, for a minute, but now they have a billion dollars to throw at movies. Yeah. So like I, maybe we don't include well, is them. Netflix major studio. My favorite I would say, indie movie. I would say that, basically. Uh, he's starting with me, Teach. Oh, go ahead. Parasite. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Come on now. Y'all know me by Y'all know what it is. Why do you I like Parasite? What is why is this your favorite anime? Why do I like Parasite? I, that's it. It's Parasite. <laughs> what if somebody What's listening has never seen Parasite? You have to convince them to go watch this movie. How many people have I convinced at this point to watch Parasite? <laughs> uh, hundreds at this point, literally. Was um, it the Weinstein Cup? Who ended up putting out Parasite? A24, oh, uh, is it not? He, it, was was a, it, it was a British. It it's was Mia, a British indie, right? Oh, it's, it's. I don't know who put that movie out. It was a British uh, company. Anyways, I think yeah, like British. Indie. It was. It was. It was neon. You're right. Yeah. Um. Anyways, real short. I, I don't know. I. This movie changed my life forever. Similar to Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'll tie it up. Uh, people left that theater changed, moved sobbing crying laughing everything it's a horror comedy it's a drama it's it's frightening like you you don't know what's about to happen next similar to everything everywhere at once that's how parasite is and i just think that bong juno it knows how to tell a motherfucking story and you don't know what you're getting when you when you start this film and then by act three you're like holy shit, this is insane. <laughs> and it's also like, once again, I keep saying this, like this profound um, meditative, right? Hashtag meditative, uh, like uh, analysis of capitalism. And like, sure, we get that in some ways in like white Hollywood and like in America, but 
this film really captured a beautiful story. And like the term parasite matters too, because you get to decide who and what is the parasite in the movie. And it just has this beautiful balance of two stories between a rich family and a poor family. And it's just perfectly fucking done. The crescendo in the third act of that movie is probably oh the wildest God. thing I've ever seen on, on Isn't screen. Isn't it insane? You're just not ready for it. Yeah. The movie it's breath, it's so breathtaking. fucking hard. You, you literally hold your breath during that last act. You, and really the second act, you really hold your breath when you finally open up into what's going down in the basement and that, that scene is happening. You're just like, what? The, I thought I was in a different movie. I'm in a very different movie than I thought I was in and I just realized it. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. That was one of the most like, Oh, that's what everyone was talking about. <laughs> Moments that I've ever had in a yeah. movie theater. Because at first, the first like chunk of the movie, I was like, I mean, this is cool, but like, I don't get why everyone was hyped about this shit. And then you and get then... to the basement scene, and you're like, oh, now we cook it. <laughs> now we turning this shit up. All right, come on, let's go. And it turned all the way up. You were like, holy shit! Perfect, so. perfect cinema. Perfect cinema. Uh, I, I can, I can guess. It is gonna. I don't even have to have multiple guesses to guess what uh, Tejas is. Oh, I would love this. I'll give you two guesses. I think it's a pretty easy to guess. Midsummer. Yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna go oh. Midsummer, but I went back. But it was it was between either Parasite or Midsummer or uh, what I ended up choosing, and I ended up choosing uh, my movie. But shots to A twenty four. They make the best shit in Midsummer. Is, is it the favorite? I just no, I didn't that. choose the favorite or the farewell. Both things that also are perfect movies that are bangers that are independent movies. But I chose Reservoir Dogs because that movie gave us. Yeah. I knew you were gonna go oh. old movie. I knew you were gonna oh. go old. That made, I remember. I remember watching I, the first Tarantino movie I ever saw was Pulp Fiction. It was shortly after it was out of theaters. I was way too young for it. I was taken by it. But the way that Reservoir Dogs works, the way that Tarantino gave us this genre of crime movie. That is literally just like a it's just like really a conversation piece. It's like the the when they're sitting in the diner in Reservoir Dogs and are having this conversation, you realize this is the movie, right? Like obviously there's violence, there's blood, there's crazy shit happening, but the movie is really what's happening when people are sitting around talking. That's why Pulp Fiction works. It's what's happening before Samuel Jackson and uh John Travolta walk into the house to do the, the do the thing they gotta do with the suitcase. They're having a regular normal days conversation. And that is why his movies work. It's because the, the way the characters relate to each other before the action starts is amazing. And then the action is just another piece of their life that is incorporated into the bigger dialogue drama. Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director of all time. Reservoir Dogs is an independent movie that gave us my favorite director of all time. So I chose Reservoir Dogs. But all There's y'all choices of... were, were movies that I also thought about and loved because I watch a lot of indie movies. There was a lot of like that, that, era of directors from like 89 to about 95 uh with steven Sod- with uh steven soderbergh and mm-hmm. and tarantino and stuff people that literally like grew up just watching movies and watching bad movies and watching all movies like they're like okay well we can just make this for like five bucks and they did and that's and, it, and then all of a sudden these indie films just became what was popular throughout the 90s and early 2000s and there's a lot of those movies that you think oh that definitely was an indie movie but then all of a sudden you look and like he, they started getting picked up by Miramax and Miramax yep. is like, Oh, that's definitely yep. an indie studio, right? No, Miramax was bought out by Disney in 1993. <laughs> so, like- <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking too. When you said it's like, it was, it might've been an independent studio like at that point, but now it's, yeah. Huge. 
Yeah, now it's, it's the you. same it's thing with A24. It's like uh, everything everywhere all at once is an independent movie, but also A24 is putting out bigger and bigger shit because A24 but they, but, and Plan B. But they built themselves think. on making these kind of movies. They, Plan B is the same way. Like they're making these kind of movies with these indie sensibilities on these not so major budgets, but they're becoming more and more popular to the point where A24 now is not just a studio, it's also branding. I tell you it's an A24 movie, you have a sense of what the movie is like before you see it because we have watched enough A24 movies to get their taste level. Their, their, Minari kind of was like nominated for Best Picture, right? That's a yep. A24 yep, Asian immigrant movie. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. there's a couple of those. Like, And I said outside of the big five, so it'd be like Walt Disney, Columbia, Paramount, yeah. um, uh, Universal, MGM. and Although, MGM. I guess, I guess MGM. MGM got bought. I guess they're yeah. about to get bought by Amazon. By Amazon, which is like, oh, Amazon. God. And like, yeah. I guess Disney owns everything. Is Pixar? Yeah, yeah. They own Pixar. They own Marvel. So that's all. They Disney Star Wars. Everything. All that's under Disney. Yeah. So and Disney now owns 20th Century Fox and Fox Searchlight. With Searchlight was its own sort of independent studio. Anyway, kind of go on. on everything. Yeah, because the, the one Lion. that I want to pick is a Searchlight movie, but like from 2006. Oh, so God, that's yes. still indie at the. No, time, that counts. Or? That counts in 2006. Well, this would count. Kind of because it Wait. was Fox Searchlight. So, like, what well, film is this? Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's I fair. love that's Little like... Miss Sunshine. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't get put on until I was in college. And, like, it was one of those movies where, like, my weirdo friend who was into a bunch of weirdo movies was like, hey, we all got to watch Little Miss Sunshine. Like, I need this for us as a friend group. I need y'all to know what I'm talking about when I reference Little Miss Sunshine. And we were like, okay, cool. I watched it thinking it was going to be some bullshit. And then we get into it and I'm like, oh shit, this is amazing. I, I fucking <laughs> love this ridiculous little family. I am rooting so hard for little Olive in the uh, beauty pageant. <laughs> like, not like I was laughing the entire time. It's really like uncomfortable at points, but like it's still like it's still got heart to it. Like, I mean, obviously, like the one of the main guys in it, like, just survived a suicide attempt. Like, it's very like, serious like in terms of subject matter but it like gets to it's it gets to its point like so in such a fun and endearing way like i i saw it like as a freshman in college and just have never forgotten about it and i'll watch it anytime that i like just see it pop up like if it's on like tv or whatever i'll just like stop and be like okay i'm watching little sunshine now like the shit i love that movie if you haven't seen it go check it out um and then uh, it's like when we oh the office dude can do drama that's yeah <laughs> him him and paul dano just giving each other bars in that movie that was uh, incredible abigail breslin nominated for an oscar she was like six um <laughs> tony so, yeah. collette they're putting up numbers as usual was that alan alan arkin was the grandfather in that he i think won yeah. an oscar for that movie did he yeah, yeah, I think he won yeah, he for did. Best Supporting Actor for that movie. Um, so yeah, shout out to <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine, a just awesome uh, independent film. Um, my favorite, like, I think I've watched it five times now, and and we're all like, we've kind of gone from the '90s to the late 2000s here, so th- uh, th- I feel better about where we are because like somebody's gonna be like Midnight Cowboy, Easy Rider, <laughs> like you know, like <laughs> both great films, but I, you know what I'm saying. Um, my favorite is Whiplash. I think Whiplash, Whiplash is amazing. Is one of the best films 
where nothing happens the entire time. It just, it, <laughs> it is. But so much happens. So much happens, but so literally happens. it's like it's the like, smallest scale ever, like a, a music school in Brooklyn or also, something like that. Also, like how many locations did they have in that movie? Like, yeah, like four. Three. J.K. Yeah. Simmons yeah. is the fucking best, man. He is I think J.K. Best. Simmons delivers probably the best performance outside of maybe like Heath Ledger or something in a movie yeah. over the past. Like he is maniacal and evil and just the the catharsis at the end of that movie when he when he just goes off. And I'm not a big Miles Teller guy. Y'all know my Miles Teller stance, but like he, he and <laughs> he and he Check and J.K. Tape, Simmons baby. just yeah. He and J.K. Simmons just going off in that movie and the very ending of the drum solo and everything and the subtle nod at the very end. Like, Damien Chazelle is brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And they made that movie for, like, for like seriously, I think, like a million dollars. I was going to say, it's like... Phenomenal film. I think J.K. Simmons, what's amazing about... He's just like this maniacal character, like you were saying, but he's so endearing. Or is that just <laughs> me? That's you. You like That's evil people. You. Oh my god, it's so I'm like, like evil. you like evil. Oh my gosh, but the way he like delivers his lines, I'm like, you want to be a good person, don't you? But like, oh no. <laughs> I, I think his evil is so endearing. That might just he be He says in that movie, I'll fuck you like a pig. But I just <laughs> But like if, that's but like he really thought what? about that. He put a thought in that, you know? He put it's a like, thought I, into that. I care a lot. Obviously, my care is like coming out like that, but I don't know. Let me shut up because I'm telling on myself. No, I wouldn't fuck you. I'm about to, about about to tell you that. <laughs> Miles Teller is not that great, but I think he his performance in that movie is is so good to me. But I I'm with Roy, and I'm not a huge Miles Teller fan across Wait, his what's career. What's Miles Teller beef? Teller beef? What's the he, Miles? We just, he got he flew too mid? close to the sun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. They, okay. It was like, it was like we're gonna make Miles Teller we're gonna make Miles Teller a thing. After, okay. Like the spectacular now. There's like which a movie, also another independent movie that I love from the uh, early 2010s. But like we're gonna it's make him a thing. And and then it was like, why? Why are we doing this? And then they yeah. made. And then apparently he's also kind of like an asshole in real life. So I mean, it that. seems like every all those white men. No offense. But like all those white men who like they tried to make a thing just because they just look like they should be a thing. It seems like all of them are assholes because they've looked like that their entire lives, so they can get away with being assholes. Which like I mean that's just what it is. Like Ansel Elgort, I mean we've seen it. Mm. Army Hammer, we have mm. seen it. Bros, <laughs> I heard Tokyo Vice is some fire, but I'm staying away because of the Ansel Elgort allegations. I I've been staying away, but it's, they're saying it's fire over there, bro. And I'm getting it's called fire without me, dog. That they're putting <laughs> Ansel Elgort into stuff that's fire. Let's stop doing that, Hollywood, please. Thank you. This must be fire without me, bro. I'm I'm good. We the outer range stands over here, baby. We on Amazon now. I love outer. Oh my god, are y'all really? Yes. I don't know yeah. if they've even seen it, but I I am I have not huge on outer. They are <laughs> big. Amazon is pushing that on my. It's on my home screen every single time I log on. It's As it like, should be. I, Watch that shit. It's so good. I, it's on, it's I did want to say on Lowe. this podcast because we're gonna have to save this audio because it's gonna come up again. Britt Lower is going to be a fucking movie star, and she is giving the greatest performance on Severance. She Severance. is incredible. Hi. She's going to be huge once they start putting her in movies. Y'all gonna see her being very emotional on screen soon. It's gonna be phenomenal. I am Britt Lower Hive. She is here. 
welcome. I'm so any, glad. I'm going to, I'm, that's a, another thing that I'm starting as well too. There's so much to watch, but uh, any other movies that we want to shout out? Um, ooh, you know what we're next. doing next week. I don't know which episode we're doing next, but in the next week we are going to be watching Nicolas Cage and we're going to be watching the Northmen. Big cinema hours are absolutely back. We're here. And also, hashtag support Florence Pugh because I don't know where Dex went. Oh, he's back. Okay, never mind. Forget that I said that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. The Northman's going to be really fucking good, right? Also, just shout out, Cheech. I'm so glad you're on to Severance. I told Joe S. Royden Dex. I have to watch this, apparently. I know this this is film, but y'all got to Royden has to watch The Favorite. He hasn't even seen The Favorite, so he don't need to be watching Severance yet. Why are y'all always watching The Favorite? First, y'all be calling Dex and Royden out on these shows. So. <laughs> yeah, they deserve I'm it. I'm bad at watching, watching TV. But I give them a pass for TV, kind of, but he doesn't get a pass for not watching The Favorite. He watches movies he all the time. Hard to he can watch The Favorite. He's very hard Look, to man, I was living in Beaumont, Texas. I was drinking a lot, as you do in Beaumont, Texas. <laughs> in, anywhere in Texas. I, I, like, I, I was in a bad place. I wasn't going to go watch The Favorite. Sorry. It, <laughs> it wasn't the favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos was not coming to Beaumont Cineplex. Like, come on. It's it's out there now, guys. It's in the universe. You don't have to go see it in the movie theater. That is fucking hashtag real cinema right there. Uh, it's dope. Oh, we love Yorgos. We know Yorgos Lanthimos is a fucking king. I can't wait for his new film this year. I can't fucking wait. That's just right. fucking weird, bro. Oh, that movie I love looks. It. Wild. If you don't know, just go look up Yorgos Lanthimos and look up his newest project. Um, anyway, let's wrap this up. Mo, uh, tell them where they can find what you're doing, as always. Hell yeah, baby. Um, I'm on YouTube now, so I got to push that. Still got Twitter spaces going. We're actually going to talk about Severance this Wednesday. So if you can get yes. through nine episodes, 4.30, Miss Picharino, what we watch. Follow what we watch, Film TV, www.filmtv. Look up Picharino Presents, what we watch on YouTube, and you'll find the channel. We got three videos up. Our last video, just like One Take Pod, we talking here. We talked about everything, everywhere, all at once with people from the club. So thank awesome. you once again, One Take. Always a good Thank always. you for uh, coming on with us. We love you. You know how to listen to them talk, and it's a it's a huge honor. <laughs> listen to y'all talk. Listen, listen to listen to us scream at each other through the void. Dex, <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Where can they find all of our work that we've put out recently? Uh, check us out on followhau.com. Uh, Pop culture's running that website right now. Like the last yeah, like, <laughs> handful of articles are all. Like Crazy. me and Ron's reviews and shit. We are just dumping them out there. Um, I wrote Everything Everywhere All at Once review. Go check it out. Um, I wrote about Outer Range, why you should be watching it. Royden wrote about Ambulance. Uh, uh, there's other reviews and stuff on there you can check out too. Go go read it. We got Astros coverage and all shit too, if you're into that. Um, and you can go to the store, buy some dope and merch. Use promo code one take pod, O N E T A K E P O D for 10% off. And then, eh, at the end of the day, hashtag support Florence Pew. That's what we do. Sport Florence Pew. All right, guys. We're out. Top draw. <laughs> yeah.
smoke this blunt Then let me take them home and do anything I want I said, baby, I can't ride you, just let me get